What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes 10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, we're continuing on here with the odds and ends of 1982. We've got two episodes of the odds and ends left on this 1982 super spectacular before we get to the best albums of 1982. And I know you're excited in anticipation to hear that countdown. We got some great songs here to cover for the rest of the odds and ends. We're still on the letter M as in Motorhead. We're going to do a big twofer now from an EP that they did as a collaboration with Wendy O. Williams and some of the plasmatics. Really, really cool release. It's kind of weird to think about the fact that it wasn't very well received when it came out because i think this thing is great the first time i ever heard these songs it was on the no remorse compilation which they're still on that to this day that's the easiest way to get these songs you're about to hear and by songs i mean i'm going to play two of the three songs from the stand by your man ep and yes we'll get to that title track but right now to kick off this show we've got motorhead with wendy o doing No class. Turn it up. Too much, too much. 
That's how you kick off a show right there with the twofer from the Stand By Your Man EP. 
Started off with No Class. That was a Motorhead original. Now you got Wendy O singing on it, which I would almost argue that it's heavier in her hands. I mean, she was an absolute beast, man. Love her. Miss her. And then we ended up, of course, with the iconic duet between Lemmy and Wendy O doing Tammy Wynette's Stand By Your Man. Uh, principal players on those two tracks were the same. Of course, you know, Lemmy and Wendy being involved in it. You had Richie and West from the Plasmatics and then Filthy Animal Taylor on the drums on both of those tracks. Now, the story goes is that Fastity Clark actually quit the band over this release. I think that's probably just an excuse because, as we all know, he did something else down the road. And some people might think, oh, the prestige of, you know, being a motorhead was like, you know, they probably weren't making a ton of money. They were, you know, they were a band that was always on the road, you know, hand to mouth. And then I'm sure for the most part. So maybe him quitting at the time, maybe he just had higher prospects. I don't know. But if you're going to quit over that release, that's kind of a pussy ass move, in my opinion. So I, I think that's a bullshit story. That's his narrative, but it doesn't make it right because that I think the EP rocks. Anyway, that's the kind of opinion you're going to get here on Rock Strikes 10. I've been attempting to tie these in. So these next two songs, we're going to kick things off with someone who's mostly known as an actor, but kind of became a singer later, and then a singer who became an actor later on. We're going to kick things off with a guy who was definitely owning it in 1982, so much so that he was like, yeah, I could do a song. And so, you know, riding high and all the other aspects of show business, yeah, why not sing? And how could I not include this one here in the odds and ends of 1982? This is a true odd and end right here. Kicking off this next twofer, we've got Eddie Murphy with Boogie in Your Butt. But that's nasty, man. What you talking about? Putting boogies in people's butt. You out your mind or something? You go to jail for doing something like that. Well, step aside, my friend. I've been doing it for years. I say, sit on down, open your eyes, and open up your ears. Say, put a tree in your butt. Put a, a bubble bee in your butt. Put a clock in your butt. Put a big rock in your butt. I say, put some fleas in your butt. I say, stop to sneeze in your butt. I say, put a tin can in your butt. I put a little tiny man. Trees and nobody's butt, no bees and nobody's butt. Put nothing. You must be out your mind, man. Do y'all get paid for doing this? Cause y'all got to get some kind of money. Cause this don't sound like the kind of. I'd rather golf, to be perfectly honest, than put something in somebody's butt. Be truthful. Well, step aside, my friend, and let me show you how you do it. When Big Bad E just rock, rock, do it. Put a case in your butt. I say, put a metal case in your butt. I say, put her face in your butt. I say, put a frown in 
In your butt, I say put up, clown. In your butt, I say sit on down. In your butt, I say put up, boat. In your butt, I say put up, moat. In your butt, put a mink coat. In your butt, put everything. In your butt, just stop to sing about your butt. Feels real good when you sing about your butt. Now wait a second now. Do y'all get paid for this for doing this, putting their butt and all that stuff? Really? Hey, what's this? A hundred dollar bill. I get to keep this hundred dollars if I be putting stuff in people's butt? Really? Let's step aside. Put a telephone in your butt. Say put some dust in your butt. I say it's a must. In your butt. I say pizza crust in your butt. Say put a telephone in your butt. I put a dinosaur bone in your butt. Put a radiator in your butt. I say see ya later.
Okay, now there's a fun twofer for you. Kick things off at the top of the show with a Motorhead twofer. Then we go right into a song from Eddie Murphy's debut album, which mostly consists of stand-up material, of course. He tacked on a couple of new songs at the end. Kind of setting the standard, I think. And not that he was the first comedian or humorist to do music, of course. But I think as far as trying to reach for the pop charts, maybe, I think Eddie might have influenced a lot of people down the road. You know, like Kennison and Dice, of course. People that also sang on their records down the road. But yes, Boogie in Your Butt. Fun stuff, right? Yeah? Hey? All right. And yeah, we finished things off with Heart Attack by olivia newton john so that was one of the brand new songs off of her greatest hits volume 2 collection and i gotta say i'm being dead honest with you right here a lot of those songs on greatest hits volume 2 were some of my earliest memories of music i don't just give it a pass for that reason although nostalgia plays a heavy hand in a lot of our fandom but if you're going to get one thing by olivia newton john and i mean that Greatest Hits Volume 2 is absolutely where it's at. You got one of the most perfect pop songs on there. A little more love. Got a good amount of the songs from Grease, from Xanadu, Physicals on there. It is her best collection. It's a little bit harder to find nowadays. You used to be able to find this in every store for very few dollars. But unfortunately, with the passing of Olivia Newton-John, the Vultures came out and it's hard to find it nowadays. But if you ever see it, Pick it up. That is the one to get. And I mean that. Some of those songs are some of the most perfectly constructive pop songs you'll ever hear this side of Abba Street. At the very top of these episodes, I played a song from Black Sabbath's Live Evil, which of course was Black Sabbath's double live album in 1982, which features the lead vocals of Ronnie James Dio doing the songs that they did on their albums, Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. But the added bonus that Ronnie is singing Ozzy Osbourne Black Sabbath material on this live record because they would still play stuff like War Pigs and Iron Man, stuff that you would definitely want to hear if you paid a ticket to see Black Sabbath, or at least that's what they thought. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, Ozzy Osbourne riding high with his solo career, and he's also doing Sabbath songs in his set. You know, not too many. I will say, if you go back and check those set lists, you know, Ozzy playing a handful of Sabbath songs, but he's definitely leaning very heavy on the Blizzard of Oz album initially, of course, as you would want to. And then down the road, some songs off of Diary, whilst touring with Randy Rhodes, the most hotshot guitar player of the early 80s, guy giving Eddie Van Halen a massive run for his money, and some people would argue that he equaled or even outdid Eddie from a technical standpoint. Now, that's a long tired debate that a lot of people have had down the road i enjoy both they're two of the greatest guitar players of all time but unfortunately in the year of 1982 march 19th 1982 to be exact and i've never forgotten that date we lost randy rhodes very suddenly and very tragic one would think just cancel the whole tour not my call to make they did not i guess they postponed it for just a little little bit and they brought in Brad Gillis, as far as I understand. I think Bernie Torme had a shot at it at one point, too. I'm not quite sure what happened with that. But Brad Gillis got the job for the remainder of those shows. And it seemed like that they were just going to play Sabbath-only stuff. Or as maybe I have it right here, the show that Ozzy recorded for Speak of the Devil was pretty much all Sabbath songs. And the idea of that was to put out a live album consisting of all Black Sabbath material. 
that could be a conspiracy theory just to take the wind out of the sail of live evil. I'm not sure if that's like an absolute truth, although I would not put it past Ozzy's management company, which is run by one person who is an absolutely terrible person and has been known to absolutely revel in the demise of any of Ozzy's supposed enemies and competition. So yes, there's a lot of things to believe out there. I have my own beliefs, but hey, let's get back to the music and enjoy this, because I do enjoy Speak of the Devil for what it is. It's a very fiery performance of somebody who should probably be really down and out and very depressed, although I'm sure maybe there are some backstage chemicals and what have you to really get you going for a performance such as this. And you can almost just kind of hear those substances like bleeding through the speakers on Speak of the Devil, and I'm sure that's what some of that charm is. But once again, getting back to the music, let's play this one, a favorite off of an album of many favorites off of Speak of the Devil. Here is the Ozman with Brad Gillis on lead guitar, the great Rudy Sarzo on bass, and the great Tommy Aldridge on drums. Here is them taking on Sweet Leaf.
Okay, a snowblind twofer. If you know, you know. But yes, that was Robert Palmer with Some Guys Have All the Luck. Man, there is a weird backstory about this. Now, I would think the majority of people would recognize that particular song as a Rod Stewart song. And that's how I first ran into it for sure back in 1984. Song has a weird history, and Robert Palmer's entry into this history is the most fascinating part of it. Okay, so let me back up. Yes, that was a cover song that you were still listening to. So the Rod Stewart version in 84 was a cover of a cover, but actually more so just a cover of the original version. Because some of you might be thinking, gee, chorus aside, that doesn't sound much like the song that I know. And you'd be right to assume that because, so the original version by the Persuaders came out in the early 70s. And then Robert Palmer went in to write some new songs for his live album that came out in 1982. And that live album in question that that song represented was called Maybe It's Live, by the way, if you're curious. So goes in to write a handful of new songs, I'm assuming for use as the new songs that tie into the live album, which is kind of weird because it's not long on the live songs on there. And Robert had been around for quite a bit. So he definitely had enough material for a full length live album, but he halfed and halfed it. Okay, so whatever. Maybe he's just a big fan of Fandango. So he goes in and he turns this song in and he believes that he wrote the song. In a weird case of what the kids now call cryptomnesia, he actually had a faint memory of this song, which is why the only thing that is the same about it is the chorus and the hook. So he wrote all these weird verses for it in this new wave arrangement. And that was his thing. He's like, I had a faint memory of the song, I guess, and I went in to write it and I wrote the same song over. So it's rare, but that's happened before. And he didn't try to like go to war over it or anything. You know, he gave the credits over for sure, willingly, because he's not a shitty dude. But yeah, there you go. He thought he wrote the song, and it turns out it was a cover all along. <laughs> what a reveal, right? Okay. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. And yeah, Snowblind tie-in aside, those were both songs that appeared on live albums, technically. So a loose tie-in, but there you have it. I think the Snowblind one fits in a bit more. Okay, yes. Anyway, moving on. Oh, I'm excited about this next one right here. And let's go ahead and do another double shot. It's very rare that you could do an A to Z on anything musically and get two artists with the letter Q represented. But we have it here on the odds and ends of 1982. And once again, I am so excited to play you this song. Any time in my life that I've heard this song come on, it's been a joy because I'm about to watch one of my favorite movies of all time more often than not. Kind of a yearly tradition of mine. Kind of my New Year's movie. Yeah, it is my New Year's movie. I, I think it just represents, besides just being a fun comedy in a sense, it represents new beginnings. So that's my way to kind of say hello to the new year. It's hokey, I know, but I do have some movie traditions. But what movie am I talking about? Well, it was the 1982 directorial debut by Ron Howard. It's a movie called Night Shift. Starring Henry Winkler and a debuting, or at least a, a big break debut, for Michael Keaton, who runs away with it. Man, I love this movie. So, speaking of Rod Stewart earlier, Rod actually does sing the end title song on this. But I'm not going to play that. And by the way, the song that he sang was a song you would know years after that by Dionne Warwick, made famously. A song called That's What Friends Are For. So, most of the songs on the Night Shift soundtrack, besides using just a handful of licensed songs... The songs that were meant to be in the film for sure 
were all written by Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager. Big, huge songwriting team right there. Some of the biggest names ever in songwriting. So all the main songs for all the big cues were Bacharach Sager. And so was this one right here. This band was brand new on the scene. They already had a huge song, I believe the year prior to this, which is for sure what got them the gig. And I love the fact that this band got the opening theme because you listen to any of their music, even if you just know their big hit, it just screams late night mood. It's just the music of late night and especially, you know, the old school New York style. And they're not even from New York as far as I know, but they just nail it. It's got that early 80s kind of soft rock kind of cool feel to it. So no better band to do the opening theme here of Night Shift than this band right here. So here it is, the theme song to one of my favorite movies of all time, done by Quarter Flash.
Okay, main set's over for tonight, folks. Stay tuned for the two-song encore because, I mean, honestly, it's hard to go anywhere after Under Pressure. And I play that for two reasons. Number one, technically the single release for Under Pressure was towards the end of 1981. But I'm still not cheating because the song did appear on the Hot Space record by Queen in the year of 1982. Also, I think I forgot to play it on last year's 1981 odds and ends retrospective so i'm putting it in here but even if i'm completely wrong and i played it anyway then it's still good to hear right it's a great song always one of the best two of the greatest frontmen of all time bowie mercury i mean come on that great musical arrangement by the rest of queen i mean it's ridiculous legendary iconic stuff also, kind of a preview and spoiler for the albums list here of 1982, I don't think Hot Space is making the cut, let's just say. I'm not trying to hate on it, but it didn't garner enough points to even be considered for the final countdown list. So there you have it. Still wanted to play Under Pressure, because how could you not? All right, these last two songs here. I mean, if you're going to fall under pressure, you better bring it. And I believe these two bands definitely bring it. We're going to kick off this last twofer for this episode with a band who was in the early infancy of their career at this point. But we're lucky enough, much like Metallica and other bands of that nature in the burgeoning California heavy metal hard rock scene, uh, to get on the Metal Massacre 1 compilation. So if you don't have or don't know the Metal Massacre compilation, this could be a surprise that this band was even on here. Sort of similar to Black and Blue also being on Metal Massacre 1. And I'm not jumping ahead in any kind of timeline. This is much like the Metallica entry that I played earlier in this series. This was the original version and original mix that was put on Metal Massacre 1 in 1982. Represents the start of a great career of one of the great bands in the history of hard rock and heavy metal. 
time for some rat and roll, one of their first ever singles, and fittingly, it's called Tell the World. <laughs>
Closing off the show here today, that was the Rolling Stones, and that was their cover version of The Miracles Going to a Go-Go. That was from the live album called Still Life that came out, of course, in 1982, and that particular song was one of the initial singles released from it because that cover never really appeared on any Stones records as far as I know. I don't recall ever hearing a studio version of it. I could be way off, but I feel like that's the case. I've heard a lot of their records, if not all of them. But there's also some other fun covers on there. 20 Flight Rock, the great Eddie Cochran song. They also do uh, Just My Imagination, which they had covered a few years prior to that. So it's a fun record. Once again, like I said, it's it's one of those live albums that does sound truly live, even though there probably are overdubs on it, but I think it still works. So yes, there you go. Preceding that, of course, once again, Rat. And one of their first ever songs they ever put out, Tell the World, which they would re-record later on, of course, in more slick fashion. That was from the Metal Massacre 1 collection. Metal Massacre was such an important thing that happened, and I think putting two entries for it in the Odds and Ends of 82 is very valid, because a lot of great stuff came out of it. I, I wanted to include more, but I basically was being honest with myself, and I was like, well, what's my two favorite bands from Metal Massacre? It would have to be Metallica and Rat, if I'm being honest. And I think if most of you were honest, that might be the case as well. I'm not telling you what to do or how to think or what your taste is, but I feel like that's going to be the case with most people. Okay, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back with the last entry of the Odds and Ends of 1982. It's going to be a lot of fun. So until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs and of course, the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure, and the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business, Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Play to the bartender, but
Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.